Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Increase the average life expectancy of your children by eight years. Significantly reduce your child's use and risk from alcohol, tobacco, and drugs. Dramatically lower the risk of suicide. Help them rebound from depression 70% faster. Dramatically reduce their risk of committing a crime. Improve their attitude at school and increase their school participation. Reduce their risk of rebelliousness. Reduce the likelihood that they would not binge drink in college. Like some of you did. Improve their odds for a very happy life. What if there was a place where it would provide them with a lifelong moral compass? Provide children with a caring extended family. Get them to wear their seatbelts even more often, according to statistics. And will also statistically improve the odds that they will leave, lead an active church life in their adult years. Is there such a program? Yes, there is. And it's supported by research from Duke University, Indiana University, University of Michigan, the Center for Disease Control, Barner Research, Gallup Research, the Pew Research Center, the National Institute of Health Research, and many, many other sources. What if I could tell you that there's a program like this available to you and it's absolutely free. It gives all of your children that kind of advantage, but also it's been proven to give adults that kind of advantage. This program is called, not by believers, but by statisticians, active church participation. Wow, really? Duke University, Indiana University, National Center for Health. I mean, really? You see, in study after study, children who are actively engaged in a faith community on a regular basis are rewarded with significantly reduced likelihood of life problems and risky behaviors and stand to significantly improve their odds for a happier, healthier, longer life. And these same studies show that for adults. Anybody here want to be happy? Anybody here want to be healthy? Anybody here want to live not just long, but be a, a, a healthy, long lifer? Well, I want to just show you a story of a beautiful family that's in our church that didn't take a challenge that I gave, but took a challenge that really God gave the mom of this family. And I want you to see what happened with this beautiful family. Watch this. We received a flyer in the mail from Elevate Life Church and I set it down on my desk and I just knew I was pulled to it and I just knew I needed to use it. At that time, I was in a marriage that was unhealthy. We had fantastic times and horrible times. Uh, affairs sprinkled with uh, abuse and um, it lasted about 15 years. I decided to go on one Sunday and just check the church out. And I went by myself and uh, I probably cried the whole service. And I felt like in that moment, everything that the pastor was saying was for me. Like someone had sent him cue cards. This is a girl that's coming to church and she needs these words because it just pierced my heart. And I just got addicted to the DNA of Elevate Life Church. And I said, this is where we're gonna go. 
remember a moment sitting in service and Pastor Keith was preaching on going and moving forward. And we, it had been a very rough couple of months and I knew it was time to move forward. And Pastor Keith looked at me directly in the audience and said, it's time to move, it's time to go. And my kids both looked at me and said, he's talking to you. And I was like, I know. And I began the process and I had some really hard um, seasons right in those few months. And I knew that this is where we had to be consistently. And this is where we came versus doing anything else. And every week, week after week, healing just continued to come on and we grew. And I look back over those seasons and say, wow, I raised my kids in church. We had a church home. Because when you believe in God, it doesn't mean that everything's great. It doesn't mean that problems aren't gonna stop. It just gives you a foundation and a relationship with Jesus Christ to know that you're gonna be okay. And in those moments of where I felt like I was suffocating and scared, I knew I was gonna be okay. Uh, last year, I found myself in the midst of a season, and I remember I came to church, and I'd had such a rough morning. They even put a Facebook post, you know, going to praise Him in the storm, and I got to church, and I just set everything down, and I heard God say to me, what if to change your life and do a 180, all you have to do is show up 52 times? That this project comes with guarantees with promises show up 52 times and I'm gonna meet you where you are and I was like 52 was like, 52 weeks we gotta go to church 52 times and it was such a moment right after worship that I just knew instantly he's telling me listen sit it down I have a solution I just need you to be obedient and show up launched project 52 to my kids told them about it and we got we got on board we were believing for certain things to happen throughout the year and that God's promise was, was real, that it's true, and we just started believing it and standing on His Word. I was believing for a new job and believing for a certain dollar amount. God showed up and I got the new job. It was that dollar amount for the salary plus bonuses. And I was just like, God, you're so intentional with the little things to let us know this is really you. I was believing for my daughter to really know her self-worth and be strong throughout relationships and make better decisions than I did. And I saw her life do a 180. We were believing for my son to have a record deal, to launch a career in music. And on the brink of the night that he wanted to give up on music, he remembered our purpose and, and believing. And he was encouraged to pray and he woke up the next day to uh, record deal in his email. So to top it off, at the end of the 52 weeks to the day, the last day of our 52 weeks, I was standing on stage worshiping Jesus with my son. Both of us standard bearers sharing a platform in which just a year prior, I was in the crowd worshiping and believing for God to do some miracles in my life. And he showed up and he showed up big consistently. I can tell you a million different stories, basically, that happened throughout the year. And I know one day I will, because Project 52 is going somewhere else. But I think the most important thing about this is to know that God meets you where you are. 
God is good all the time throughout all your different seasons. And when he places something on your heart, he's gonna show up, but it's up to us to take a step forward and step out from where we are and our thoughts and our processes and jump into his, his lane and say, okay, God, let's roll, let's roll. I trust you, I'm gonna be consistent and show up, and that's what we did 52 times. Is that crazy? So Alicia, are y'all here? I know. Okay, y'all stand up. This is Alicia, and this is Logan and John Rose. Look at this great family. Go, girl. You're so proud of you guys. Thank you so much. So again, it's not like some legalistic thing like, okay, got to go to church 52 weeks a year. That was something on a mom's heart that she said, you know, here's what we're going to do for 52 weeks. And guess what? Today, you're going to see over and over and over, Alicia, that that what you decided to do is not only what the Bible says is so important, but also what stats prove, scientific research. Again, from Duke and Indiana and and University and all these places that show, again, it's not just about showing up at church, but it's actually active church participation. So here's a couple of things, the power of we. Take a look at your notes. First of all, one of our greatest needs is the need of we. We don't think like that. We think about one of our greatest needs is to be happy. One of our greatest needs is to provide for ourselves financially. One of our greatest needs uh, is our health. But one of our greatest needs that we really need to acknowledge, according to the Word of God, is the need of we. Here's what Ephesians 4 says in the Bible. Uh, Last year, in fact, it was our year to grow. This year forward, grow forward. Everybody say, grow forward. And according to the Word of God, here's what the Bible says about the power of we. Now, these gifts are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I told you all last week, I'm a gift to you. Thank you for believing that, all three of you. But anyway, the Bible says says that God gave gifts, pastors, prophets, apostles, teachers, and evangelists. Why? Look at this. Their responsibility, my responsibility, is to equip God's people. Not just to preach a good message, not just to make you feel better, not just to give you hope, but to equip you to do God's work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. So this is God's house, but like I said in the beginning, we are the church. Now the Bible goes on to say this, this will continue until we, everybody say we, all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. You ever met anybody immature? Yeah, I'm sitting next to him. No, 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 listen, we're not. But we won't, we won't be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like the truth. Instead, we, everybody say we, will speak the truth in love. And here's the catalyst. Growing, we will be growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part, that's the me part, 
The me part, as each part does its own special work, it helps the we part or the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Somebody put an amen on the reading of the word. So there was this uh, video that was done, and you'll see these pictures. Some of you have seen these pictures in a Romanian orphanage where children had very little human contact. So, again, scientists, researchers, psychologists, sociologists, all were a part of this research. And while they were doing this research, there was an infant, yet unable to crawl, worked its way across a rug until it reached a stained spot on the floor. So hungry for relationship in some form, that the infant laid its head, laid its cheek on the stain. And as the researchers watched this, all they could conclude was there was such a need for contact that they saw something that they could connect with. So what's the big deal about going to church? What's the big deal about the power of we? What's the big deal about understanding that one of the greatest needs that you have, whether you realize it or not, is the need for we? What's the big deal? Look, listen to this. Again, this is all based on research that I'm going to give you. Going to church regularly, take a look at your notes, we are less likely to be depressed. Okay. Where does depression start? In fact, just what is depression? Uh, if you can picture this, when your foot is on the accelerator of your car, you're pressing the accelerator. When you depress, you're taking your foot off. So when you get depressed, usually it's, it starts with being discouraged. Now I want to ask you a question, and it's a thought-provoking question, and I want you to be honest. My hand's already raised because I know what I'm about to ask. How many of you this week, on some level, struggled with some type of discouragement. Let me see your hands. Most people. Now I want to read this statistic one more time. Going to church regularly, we are less likely to be depressed. All depression stems from day after day, week after week, month after month, being discouraged. When I'm discouraged, it's because something has happened. What does the word discourage mean? It means to take the strength out of. So life and people and unhealthy relationships and work and the things that we have to do to survive oftentimes take the strength out of us, and that's where discouragement happens. Can I just be real honest with you? I struggle with discouragement Every day. Every day. Not like some days. But I struggle with discouragement every day. And many of you do too. You just don't realize it. It's like stuff is happening that's taking the wind out of yourselves. And listen, there's some of you in here, you work for other people and you think that's discouraging. Some of you think, man, if I could just have my own business. Really? Like if you want to feel a weight like you've never felt before, start your own business. Oh, I'd like to have people work for me. Really? I've got over 100 people that work for me. You know what comes with that? They don't even know it. 
the weight of that. The weight of caring for them. The weight of wanting the best for them. The weight of praying for them. Oh, I just want to have children. Let's just have a baby. You you know what comes with that? There's this like weight that comes with it. And you think, how could that be discouraging? Are there any parents in the room? When you want the absolute best for your children and they're not making the right decisions, when, when their attitudes are, are, in, are they're acting in such a way that you can't do anything about it. Our marriage. So many people, oh, if I could just, if I could just find the right person. <laughs> Here's the problem with finding the right person. If you find the right person and they choose you, they found you. You say, well, what does that mean? You see, this is where marriage gets so discouraging because there's no man and there's no woman that can meet the needs that you have that only God can meet and that only a healthy family can help you with. I fight discouragement. So I have to guard against it going to the next step. And listen, I'm a happy guy. I'm upbeat. I'm married to precious, for goodness sakes. And I've got three beautiful children. It's heaven on, or it's a dream come true that they've chosen to serve God. It's heaven on earth that they've chosen to work with me. But then there's this stuff, and I'd like to call it a different S word, that they go through. <laughs> and I'm just being honest. It takes the wind out of my sails. Because I want their marriages to work and I want their families to work. And you only know this if you're a parent. You only know this kind of discouragement if you're a boss. You only know this kind of discouragement if you're married. You see, everything that we think is going to make us happy has the same potential to depress us. And if it depresses us, then... We get on that side of life, and where do we find help? Well, a lot of people go to the bar. Hit me again, man. Hit me again. I just need a drink. God is great. This is old church song. Beer is good. People are crazy. Oh, it's an old church song. You know what I'm talking about. Hey, let me give you a true stat. CNN just reported on it. Do you know that when you come to church and have a religious experience, because that's what happened. Now, some of you, this is kind of your first time, like you're seeing the music up there and you're going, like, is this like a rock like concert? Is this karaoke? We sing along. What is it that we do? You know what we do here in God's house? We've been given the key of worship. So when we walk in, we stand in his presence. And no matter what's going on in our life, we lift our hands to God. No matter what's going on in our life, we clap. Why? I say it almost every week. This is earth. This is heaven. When I clap, heaven's coming into my earth. This is impossible. This is possible. With man, things are impossible. With God, all things are possible. This is natural. This is supernatural. When we come into his presence and when we worship and when we clap and when we lift our hands, when I lift my hands, I'm going above my thinking. I'm going above my circumstances. I'm reaching between earth and heaven and saying, God, I need you. So maybe you came in here and you're freaked out a little bit. 
Like, why are people lifting their hands? Because they've learned that these hands are made more than just to work. These hands are made to praise God. And every time I lift my hands, literally as a form of worship, in Hebrew it's todah. It means, and, and let's, let's put it in modern vernacular, Star Wars, lightsabers, that no matter what's going on in this world right here, when I lift my hands, watch this, in worship, it's like a lightsaber goes on. And this becomes a connection point between me and God. And because I'm reaching above my darkness and I'm reaching above my thinking and I'm worshiping God, he says, you're creating a light that I can bless you through. Continue to worship me. Continue to clap. Continue to sing praises to my name and watch what I do. Here's what CNN, through research from the Social Neuroscience Organization, has proven. That when you have a religious experience, it's the same, it affects the same centers of your brain as love and drugs. So when I was in high school, my brother smoked a little grass, a little dope, a little Mary Jane, a little marijuana. And I don't know what it was, and Chris, Mr. Former Dopehead over here, <laughs> kind of explained it to me in between services. Because what I, I told this story about my brother when he would smoke dope, he would go in the bathroom and just look in the mirror. Just go. Speak. I always thought that was so interesting, and I liked to freak him out. And so I'd walk in there, I'd go. And then I'd do something like this. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. All of a sudden, my brother's going. <laughs> and I can remember time after time, he, and, and by the way, there's a lot of times where whatever was on him would come off of him, and that's why he was so mad at me. It's like, it'd break it. It'd break it. <laughs> and he'd say, man... You don't even need drugs. He said, I'd like to see you on drugs. I said, brother, I am on drugs all the time. All the time. Do you know that when you come together and you just decide to get to church, you put yourself in a position to have a religious experience, to experience in the natural the, physiologically, the greatest centers of your brain that feel love and that drugs mimic, you get to experience just by coming into God's house. By the way, welcome to Elevate Life Church. There's a little bit more behind that than you realize. Okay, so somebody, somebody say praise the Lord. Come on. A survey of nearly 100 women over 50 attended re religious services and found that they were 56 more likely to have a positive outlook on life. And that people, according to Professor Eleazar Chanal, professor at Yeshiva University in New York, says that regular religious practice can help foster a positive worldview, including calming rituals and having other psychological and social benefits. And here's what she went on to say. We don't understand it all. We just know it happens. Welcome to church, y'all. And by the way, don't miss again. <laughs> Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what's good. 
at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, now listen to this, whenever we, everybody say we, have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially those who are a part of the family of faith. That's why we come to church, because we have an opportunity to do good. Hebrews 10 says this, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and to good works. And listen to this, this is the Bible, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some do, but encourage each other. Listen, coming to church is a big deal, and coming to church regularly is even a bigger deal. So again, what is the power of we? It's first of all understanding that me needs we. That we need each other. We need to gather together for the same purpose. And what is that? To honor and worship God. And there's something that happens beyond our understanding when we choose to do it together. It's crazy. Here's the second thing. We are more happy than me. Everybody wants to be happy. It's like my, my friend Zig Ziglar, who passed away a few years ago, said it over and over. He said, everybody wants to be happy. Everybody wants to be, have good relationships. Everybody wants peace of mind. Everybody wants security. Everybody wants to be financially prosperous. And some people unreasonably prosperous. Everybody wants basically the same thing. You see, too often times our me is in search for happiness. So we think she will make me happy. Or he will make me happy. Or that job will make me happy. Or this will make me happy. And again, we climb the ladder of success on some level. And if you get high enough, here's what you discover without God, that it's been leaning against the wrong wall. Because whether you make $10,000, $100,000, or a million dollars a year, as great as that sounds, money doesn't solve problems. Money creates problems. What are you going to do? I'm speaking prophetically to some people. With all the money you're going to make in the future. What are you going to do with it? It creates more problems. What am I going to do with it? And then the people that you thought were just family, hey, I need me a car. And you make more than I do. And all of a sudden, there's different kind of stuff when you have money. So going to church regularly, we are happier with our lives overall. This is statistically proven. One study found that one-third of people who went to church every week and reported having close friends there said that they were extremely satisfied with their lives compared with just 19% of those who attended but didn't enjoy a circle of friends. You see, there's some people, they, 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 they come to church, but they never get active. So what happens is, it's like, it's like this is a place for you to connect with people of faith. I don't know how you describe your life. But to be able to say, I'm extremely satisfied in my marriage. I'm extremely satisfied in my business. I'm extremely satisfied with my relationships. At least we have a chance in church. Somebody say amen. amen. So, Kayun Lim, a sociology professor at the University of Wisconsin, says this. We think, again, this is not a believer. This is a scientist. We think it has something to do with the fact that you meet a group of friends on a regular basis together as a group and you participate in certain activities that are meaningful to the group. 
At the same time, they share a certain social identity, a sense of belonging to a moral faith community. The sense of belonging seems to be the key to the relationship between church attendance and life satisfaction. So the findings, they said, were uniform across all Protestants, Catholics, Evangelicals, Mormons, Jewish believers. In other words, attending church, wow, makes me happier because the we is what makes the me happy. This is the one I really like. Speaking of happiness, going to church regularly, we have better sex lives. Did you hear all those amens? That must have been in heaven. It's like you earthlings need to get it. We have better sex lives. So let me just ask. Now this is statistically proven. Not just with a, watch this now, quarter of a century survey, but over half a century survey that's been proven over and over. Why should men want to come to church? (laughs) By the way, and marry a church lady. Why should that? Why? What is it that there's so many men that they oh church, you know, church really church really doesn't relate to me. You want to have good sex? This is a good place to be. <laughs> it's statistically proven. Your children, by the way, are supposed to be in somewhere else, not in here. That's why we have children's specific ministry. Here's what I want to tell you. If we can't talk about good sex in church, where can we talk about good sex? Now, this is what is proven by science. A recent University of Chicago study known as the most comprehensive and methodically sound sex survey ever conducted, (sighs) found that women who attend church services, not regularly, but religiously, they said, these women have a higher level of sexual satisfaction than any other women a part of any part of society. And men go... Man, I don't know if I need to go to church. You know, that's really for women and stuff. If you want to have good sex, get your butt men to church. Okay, that's good preaching. Anyway, so, now here's what's weird. Now, some of you are just, you're freaked out about this. Like, some of you are really spiritual. It's time that you get spiritual enough that you understand that sexuality is a part of your spirit. By the way, do you know that when you have sex, it ignites the same centers in your brain as when you have a religious experience? It's supposed to work together. Now, it's not like my psychology professor in college, little Pastor Precious and I were freshmen. We weren't pastors then. And she sat next to me in my psych of sexuality class. And our professor gets up there and he said, I just want you all to know something. (laughs) When my wife and I have sex, he said, I just speak in tongues. It's, it's a wonderful thing. I turned to Sheila. We were 18. I said, that's never going to happen. I said, I just want you to know that. I said, we're, like we, we're going to have sex someday, but we are not going to speak in tongues while we have sex. Now, if that's your thing, do what you want to do. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, you need to understand scientifically it's proven. Listen to me now that if you come to church and you come to church regularly, you're going to have better sex. Now, I'm going to tell you all something really private. And Pastor Sheila does not like me saying what I'm about to say. But I look in my eyes, baby. I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> Do you know that oftentimes when we're at church, she says to me, you, you look so good. 
Like she didn't say that in the grocery store. She didn't say that when we're going out on a date. She didn't really say that that much if we're going to a movie. But like we're walking up to the church house. She goes, you, you're doing it for me right now. Here's what I'm thinking, Vicky. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking, you're just saying that because you know I can't do anything about it right now. That's why, that's why you're doing it. You're, you're torturing me. Ladies, men especially. Men, I want you to listen to me. You ain't sexy because you got this. You ain't sexy because you got money. You ain't sexy because your ego is attached to your job and makes you feel good about being a man. Let me tell you what's sexy to a woman. And women, you boo me out of here if I'm not right. What's the most sexy to a woman is a man that loves God and worships God. That's what's most sexy. You better hear the women. You better hear them. It ain't your fineness. It ain't your booty or your body. It ain't your pocketbook. Welcome to Elevate Life Church. See, some of you men, you're playing around with God like, you, God, like God's not a big deal to you, and that's why you're not a big deal to her. I'm just being a daddy today, talking to you like your dad maybe didn't talk to you. But I'm telling you, there's some men that don't get it. They think the church is not for them, all that little worship, and it's girl stuff, and Putting God first, there's nothing more sexy to a woman than a spiritual man. Hey, hey, hey. Also, it's the same way in the bar. Nothing more sexy to a woman than a spiritual man. It's also the same way at work. It's not just in the church. But I'm just giving you men a good reason to come to church. For you to understand the psychology and the sexuality of a woman. That a woman admires a man who's got his spiritual stuff together. <laughs> they said in your mama's church. You're welcome. We're talking about we is happier than me. 75-year study done, was done at Harvard. It's the most extensive study on happiness that's ever happened. It took two different groups, the Grant group and the Gluck group, because the researchers kept dying. Over a 75-year period, they did research on 456 people in Boston from 1939 to 2014 who were poor. Then the Gluck study did... 268 graduates from Harvard classes from 1939 and 1944 that were reasonably, and some of them, really successful. After following these groups and testing them with blood samples, brain scans, for several decades, this is the most extensive happiness survey that's ever been done in the history of the world. And here's the conclusion in one statement. Robert Waldinger, the director of the Harvard Study for Adult Development, said this. The clearest message that we get from this 75-year study is this. In capital letters, good relationships keep us happier and healthier, period. 
good relationships. Not money, not whether you're rich or poor, not if you got a great career. We is happier than me. Third thing in your notes is we are, are more healthy than me. Going to church regularly boosts your immune system, lowers your blood pressure, and helps you live longer. That's not me preaching. That's me giving you statistical data in a sentence. Tyler Vanderwill, a doctor with Harvard School of Public Health, conducted a study of regular churchgoers over two decades with his colleagues. He found that people who attend religious services, now listen, not once a month, not twice a month, not when they feel like it, but people who get on Project 52, like Elisa did with her kids, in other words, who come to religious services at least once a week, enjoy better blood pressure, healthier cardiovascular, without ever getting on a bike, without eating right, just by coming to church. They're immune and endocrine functions. They have less coronary and artery disease than those who didn't attend at all. In addition, here's where it gets good. The risk of dying, by the way, all y'all are going to die, no matter how healthy you are. But the risk of dying is 20 to 30% less after you've been coming to church for 10 years. So I have a question for you. How many of y'all been coming to church for more than 10 years? Let me see your hands. Safe. <laughs> you got a 30% chance. You've got a 30% advantage. If you had that in the market, you'd be rich. If you have that in life, you'll be rich. If you have that in marriage, you'll be rich. If you get into a place where just by getting into the place, you take your me and you get with the we, God says, your blood pressure, your heart, your health, there's, there's norepinephrine, epinephrine, serotonin, there's nitric oxide, there's, there's stuff that's being delivered in your brain right now because you're coming together with a community of faith and you're worshiping and you're believing God and your faith is being elevated and your body is getting well while all this is happening. You're getting better. Look at somebody say, you're getting better. Here's what he said. Again, not a believer. Something powerful appears to be taking place when these people of faith are getting together. Well, hey, some of y'all are like me. I woke up this morning. I've heard the song. Woke up this morning with a wine glass in my hand. I said, whose wine? What wine? Anyway, y'all know that story. I woke up this morning and said, I don't feel like going to church. Pastor Precious said, you got to, you're the pastor. <laughs> How many of y'all ever woke up and said, I just don't feel like going today. Come on, be honest with me. I, I, it's, you know, it's, it's like, you know, you know what it's like? It's like. I don't feel like working out today. Because after you work out, let me just say, I've been working out since I was 15. I'm not that great in math, but I'm 58. So how many years I've been working out? 43 years. And by the way, I'm looking good. Doesn't matter what Pastor Precious says. Real talk, Kim. She posted a picture of Pastor Sheila and I with her. She has 600,000 followers. 
I told Pastor Sheila, I go, why'd she pick that picture? I go, they got me from, I said, I don't look that fat. About 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> Little Pastor Precious says, oh yeah, you do. <laughs> see, see, when you look at yourself, you're looking at yourself straight on. But I see you on that stage. When you turn sideways, sometimes your stomach looks bigger than other times. I said, okay, it's on right now. Y'all may have been seeing me up here being fat. I'm going to tell you something. My upper body's going to catch up with my legs. You're not going to be able to say that much longer, baby. I'll be turning like this. You'll be going, oh, man, I'm feeling those same feelings I felt we were... Here's what I'm telling you. We are more powerful than me. Now, little precious, she's not saying that to be mean to me. She's saying that because of the kind of relationship that we have. And that is real and raw. And it's just, hey, you know, like I'm, I'm delusional when I don't think I'm looking like I'm thinking, I just need a better picture. She goes, no. You're, you really look like that. She wouldn't say it to be mean. She was saying it to get rid of my delusion, Cole. So, Cole, you got some delusion going on. So, God gave you a little Kila to get rid of your delusion so you don't keep getting held back. That's what we get when we get a wife. It deals with our delusional self that we think we were fine. You were till you married her. You see, when you marry her and she's the best part of you and she reveals the not so best part of you, then you got a decision to make. You can be offended, you can argue with it, you can talk it, you can over talk it, you can, or you can just say, you know what, baby, thank you for correcting me and helping me be better. And you know what? You know what Pastor Precious wants for me? She doesn't just want me to look good. That's not it. I think I look okay. But she wants me to be healthy. So when I say, I don't look like that, she goes, no, you do. And I welcome that in our marriage. You see, we are more powerful than me. Why? Because God gave me this person as a help. Come on, somebody finish it. Preach to me. As a helpmate. Not somebody to fight against so I can prove my way. And here's how I am. And here's how you are. Blah, 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 blah. No. I have a helpmate. I said, I have a helpmate. And so do you. And there's a whole bunch of we's in here. You know what some of y'all need to figure out? You need to figure out who your wee-wee is. Josh, did you get that over in McKinney? Josh is over in McKinney. I want to close with this. This is Jesus' words. Assuredly. Everybody say assuredly. That's as strong as something can be said in the Greek. With all assurance, here's what he says. I say to you, this is Jesus, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But watch this. Then very quickly he says, again, I say to you that if two, 
if two of you agree on earth concerning anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three of you are gathered together in my name, I am there in their midst. You know where God is today? He's right up all in our business. He's right up in our grill. He's right up in our finances. He's right up in our business. He's right up in our family. If we let him be, and if we don't just be hearers of the word, but we be doers of the word. Hey, by the way, last thing, church goers that go regularly to church build life-sustaining relationships. Here's what the meta-analysis, I know this is big word stuff, of the Harvard research has proven and shown. Listen very carefully now. No matter what kind of disease that you get, you might be in fourth stage cancer. Listen to me. According to the analysis and study and scientific data, it showed a 50% increased likelihood of survival for participants who had strong faith based relationships in other words when you go to church regularly you have the chance to have life sustaining relationships the people that you're in life with they sustain you sometimes even when you can't sustain yourself you know up here before uh, I was sitting out here and worshiping and I looked up in in the choir and right in the middle of a choir is a woman by the name of Linda Del Sol and some of y'all don't know Linda. Some of y'all know Linda. But you know what Linda's been? In that choir for 16 years, and she doesn't miss. There's some people that come, they, they come to the choir for a while, they go there. They come to church for a while, they go. They, they, for 16 years, literally standing in the middle of a choir is a woman that I know has been a part of my family of choice for 16 years and active and participating. What do you think that does for me? Not just as a pastor, but as a spiritual father in this house. Like that girl gets it, that encourages me. When I feel discouraged, there's a Linda Del Sol right in the middle. Also, also in that choir today, here's how I'm encouraged. I look up, there, I, I know some people, I don't know some people, there's some people I know. There's a girl named Angela Schaefer. By the way, let me just tell you about Angela. For those of you that don't know, she's down here on the front row. She was Miss Texas. Stripper, that is. And this, this, this boy who was away from God, who was the son of a preacher, goes into a strip club trying to find a little happiness, trying to find a little joy, trying to find a little fun, and he sees her stripping. They start their thing together. He's a church guy, but he's away from God. They started going through a patch where their life wasn't working. He was telling her to leave and she was ready to leave. And then he said, we got to get back in church. They go to church, long story short, they're sitting in a service like this and it came time to get their life right with God and the Miss Texas, first of all, she told him, I ain't going to no blankety blank, blankety blank blank, blank 
blank church. How many of y'all know somebody that doesn't just cuss, but they can riff it? You know. Okay. Some people, what? that's how she was. But when she got in that church, when she got in that place, when she got around their wees, that she didn't even know that we was more important than me, all of a sudden God did something in her heart just because she was with the right people in the right place at the right time and the right thing was about to happen. And she stood up to give her life to Christ and she turned to the, to the son of a preacher and somebody that was away from God and she said, are you going to do this with me? And the stripper brought the preacher back and they're on the front row right here. That's the power of we. Today they're elders in our church. They help us lead and, and, and care for the needs of people. And she's up there in the choir today for not the 18th year in a row, but for the hundredth and hundredth and hundredth time in a row. Here's what I'm telling you. You can hear this sometimes and you can say, I agree with that, I don't agree with that. And let me tell you what, you, you can agree with it or not, but there's this law of gravity and if I jump off this stage, I can tell y'all I've got a lot of faith and I'm about to leap and y'all are going to see me levitate. But how many of y'all know, no matter what my faith is, the law of gravity is going to take over. You understand that? No matter how spiritual I am, God, I just need you to take care of me. I'm going to jump. No, I'm going to hit the ground. That's the science data that I've given you today. You can say I agree with it or I don't agree with it, but if you'll agree with it and if you'll understand it's really true, when you go through your toughest times, one of my special people in my life is fighting cancer right now. It tears my heart out. I was up this morning at 3.38 praying for him. And so I thought, I'm going to just send him a text. And so I sent Dad, I sent him a text. I said, I just want you to know right now, I'm praying for you and I'm standing with you. And I was hoping that he'd be asleep but he sent me a message right back and said, keep praying. I'm fighting. Keep sending those prayers my way. That's what I need. That's what a community of faith does. You see, when you don't think anybody cares, listen, just the fact that you're in this place, if you go through a tough time, if you get involved, there's going to be people that know your life. And when you can't sustain yourself, when you're at the bottom, when life isn't working, if you'll be around the right wheeze, God will make whatever's happening in your me work for His good. Can I just tell you, the house of God is a place where God manifest through His people. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.